Welcome to Back to Devi. I'm Mike. This is my co-host, Corey. It's 7 a.m. Eastern time. And on today's show, we will be doing a stock watch for each class. Corey, go ahead and give me some news for the day. Yeah, so hitting midweek here, there isn't a whole ton of news to talk about. But uh, if you watched the games last week, we actually got to see some freshman quarterbacks for the first time um, getting some some good playing time. Um, Clemson quarterback Cape Klubnik came in for a struggling uh, DJU. Um, and uh, Connor Wegman uh, at Texas A&M came in for Haynes King, who actually got injured in the game. Um, neither of these guys really looked great. I mean, I'd say that it was really the run game that, that, that ended up winning that game for Clemson. I don't think Cade looks particularly good or, or better than DJU in any way. Um, Wegman looked like a freshman. He really didn't look like uh, <laughs> like he was ready for the spotlight. Um, I do think this means that these guys probably have a short leash heading into their games this week, so maybe we could see them. But for what it's worth, both coaches have said that they will be going back to the original starter, so we'll have to see uh, how that one shakes out. Um, now heading over to Texas A&M, um, wide receiver Chris Marshall, kind of a, an exciting freshman wide receiver for some people. I actually was, was going to be a little bit of a riser for me when we're talking about risers this, cl- uh, this class, but um, he got suspended indefinitely um, with rumors being centered around having some weed in his locker or smoking weed or something like that. You know, uh, to me, you, you know, this is, this is 20, 2022 at this point, right? This really shouldn't be an issue anymore with this thing, but that's a conversation for another day. I'm not going to open that, but that uh, can of worms right now. Um, I'm in Canada. So obviously it's legal here. So I'm all about it. <laughs> um, heading over to Alabama. Um, wide receiver Jermaine Burton um he had a video uh surface last week that looked like he may have hit a Tennessee fan looked like a woman um there's been some some question of its legitimacy um he did end up playing last week as well and Saban uh did throw some support behind him and actually let him play last week so we'll have to see if anything really comes of that if, it, if it, there is truth to it if there isn't but this is just another kind of ding to uh Jermaine Burton who's had kind of an awful year from what we've been expecting um He's, and last uh... but not Go go he's ahead. Listening, he's listening to too much Chris Brown. Those Chris Brown <laughs> Yeah, seriously, he needs to uh, he needs to calm down. But um, heading over to Ohio State, uh, this is just one thing I just want to talk about quickly. They had another running back injury with a guy named TC Caffey going down. Uh, I'm not sure who that is, but regardless. What this actually means is an old Debbie heartthrob of mine and some of us out there by the name of Diamante Trainum, who went over there to be a linebacker, is actually taking full-time reps at running back again. Um, I don't know if this is going to add up to anything, but I've still got a roster or two where this guy is sitting there just in case anything ever happens again. You know, maybe next year he gets a chance. Maybe he gets a chance this year. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come with this. I just thought it was pretty cool to see that maybe he's going to be playing running back again. Um, but that about wraps up news here for midweek. Uh, make sure you guys are following along on the C2C YouTube channel and the podcast feed. Uh, these guys are going to keep you up to date on everything you need to know uh, heading into this week's game. Um, but taking a look at last week, Mike, you had some reactions you wanted to talk about from last week's games. Yeah, I want to talk about two here. One is going to be a name that I don't think anyone's really talking about. It's not it's not like super hype. I want to bring up Samuel Brown, the fifth from Rutgers. Uh, he's six foot one, two twenty. Rutgers just sent Isaiah Pacheco to the NFL. Not that, not that I ever thought that he was a Debbie asset, even, even in the offseason. Look, too, media in the NFL, when they like put out those clips in the offseason and they get all of all of fancy Twitter hyping up those pieces, like they just they just honeypotted them into liking their players. Dude, those media guys gotta feel good. They gotta be giving each other high fives and they need to get bonuses for that type of stuff. <laughs> stuff. It's hilarious. Yeah. That's not hilarious when they get the community like that. Um anyway, Samuel Brown has been uh, growing in the snap counts here. He's he's taken over the lead role as a true freshman here for Rutgers. He's not exactly efficient. Uh, last game here, he had 
during those snaps, he had 28 attempts, 101 yards, and one touchdown. That's 3.6 yards per attempt. So he's not really efficient. He's not breaking off big runs. Uh, he's up to 86 attempts on the year, and his longest run is only 20 yards. So not exactly a, a dynamic athlete. These stats here are not dynamic. Uh, but I just wanted to note that this guy is getting the full run. He got the full workload. Uh, Corey just found out that he got injured, right? Corey, you want to talk about that for a sec? Yeah, no, I was just looking it up quickly before uh, before we got on the show here. Um, it looks like he sustained some kind of foot injury last game. Um, he did say that he thinks he's going to be fine. Shiano says maybe uh, head coach Greg Shiano says that he's got some things to work out with the doctor still, but it looks like it's not going to be a long-term thing. So hopefully we get to see him coming back uh, pretty soon here. I mean, like you said, anybody making an impact as a freshman uh, is probably noteworthy and somebody to keep eyes on. Yeah, he's got some pass catching too. He's got five targets on the year, four catches for 17 yards. He's about as elusive as a World War II tank, you know. So like, <laughs> he's just he's just a guy, but like definitely something we want to keep your eye on. Uh, the next guy I really want to talk about here is Jake Garcia. Uh, had a lot of hype going into, I want to say, last year. Uh, I know a friend of yours, Brandon Lejeune, loves the guy coming out. He got a run in here this week with a TVD going down to injury. Now they're saying it's injury. Maybe they're just protecting his ego because he might have been benched. But he's a name to look forward here. He might be the new starting quarterback for Miami. If not, maybe next year. So he looked good to start off. And then he just like threw like three picks. So, <laughs> but <laughs> Jake Garcia, he just might be the starting quarterback for Miami moving forward. Uh, and he's an exciting guy to watch. He looked really good as a recruit. So we'll see the field if you can get the rest of the year going on now Corey, ready for the meat and potatoes here let's do it man let's talk some stock updates so we're gonna go by class here so we're gonna talk 2023 20, first quarterback rises to start off here uh and i'm not huge on i'm just gonna say bo nix just because he's the flavor of the week for fantasy twitter right now like i said there's new quarterback every week it's bo nix week this week been looking good uh compared to what he's done at auburn I mean, go figure that Auburn's just a, a, a pit right now of just killing talent. So he's got out of that system. He's looked really good. I think he's more of a CFF asset here, but there's definitely going to be guys hyping him up uh, going up to the draft. Might even go to the draft, maybe. You know, it might stick around another year. Um, the guy I really want to talk about, though, really want to talk about is Michael Penix, uh, quarterback for Washington, transfer from Indiana. Uh, always had an injury history. He's like six foot three, two hundred. I think he's a really good mover, um, especially for his size. He's a really good mover. He's been good, and like I always say, I'm not like a quarterback evaluator. So I, I was looking up his advanced metrics here for his adjusted yards per attempt. Like he's over the magic line that Jarek's got here on the website. He's hitting over nine, which is like good. So I I think I've been watching him enough, and I've, I've been like really nervous about saying this, but for me, I want to say Michael Penix is my QB five. For the 2023 class might be named to watch might be a nice like mid third round picking a rookie drafts coming up because he's going to be like a day two maybe early day three guy but what, what are your thoughts on either one of those guys Corey? uh yeah so uh just starting off right where you left off there with michael Penix. um he was a guy that um, had a lot of excitement kind of uh, earlier on in his career too at Indiana. Um, if anybody has been following me for a while or just uh, is familiar with my work, I used to do a podcast, uh, Debbie Dispensary, way back in the day. Um, my co-host, a guy by the name of Doug Skolnick, not really in the uh, the space anymore, unfortunately, um, but he was huge on this guy. Uh, he even had a nickname for him, something to do with lefty. I can't remember because I, I, if I'm correct, I remember he's a left-handed quarterback, but he was very big on him and it was, and it was the exact same thing, always just getting injured 
injured, always just never being able to really reach his potential because of those injuries. So this year he's staying healthy. He's in that new Washington offense. Um, he seems to be doing really well. I personally still have to go and kind of watch the tape. I mean, these guys play those those late Pac-12 games sometimes that I really don't stay up for a lot of the time. So um, this is one of those guys that's on the list for me to kind of go in and take a look back at. Um, now going over to your other guy, uh, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't really know what to do with this. I really don't. Like, I think I think what he's done this year is definitely puts him back on the draft radar. I mean, at some, at one point, I was worried he's not even going to get drafted anymore with all those one-headed mistakes he was making uh, back at Auburn. But this year, like, something is just clicking for him, right? I mean, we're looking at a 70% completion percentage, which is 10, 10 points higher than any previous year he's had. I think he's only had – he's topped out at 60 every every time, you know. And I'll, we do see some of those flashes – of old Bo Nick sometimes, you know, some of the bonehead decisions, some of the bad interceptions. But um, I was taking a look at PFF. They actually only grade him with six turnover-worthy throws. I mean, that's less than C.J. Stroud. That's less than Will Rogers. That's less than Anthony Richardson. So I don't know if that really means anything. He's throwing the ball about as much as these guys. Well, maybe not Will Rogers. I think he's probably somewhere up around 300 and some attempts by now. But um, I don't know if everything's just coming perfectly together for him here at Oregon. And, you know, he's starting to work out some of those bad instincts. But it's definitely worth a study and maybe a look once the offseason hits because, you know, he's got the pedigree. He's got a little bit of that dual threat ability if he, if he, if he can ever capitalize on it. I think this puts him on the radar to be drafted. Um, but I don't think that I'm going to be the one drafting him. <laughs> you know, I, I'm still just going to let whatever happens with him happen. I mean, if guys want to take the chance on that, that's fine. But he's going to be one of those guys that I'll be staying away from after seeing him for the past three years or whatever. Like, yeah, it's nice he's putting it together this year, but um, that's that's not really going to do it for me. Um, but but it's nice to see. It's nice to see. Um, for my guy, talking about a quarterback riser, I just have one here, and I just think he's kind of interesting. Um I'm going to talk about a Utah quarterback, Cameron Rising. Um, he was actually a pretty decent prospect at one time. I believe he committed to Texas. Had offers from most of the major programs in the country. You know, Alabama, Ole Miss, a bunch of a bunch of guys like that. He's 6'2", 220 pounds. So he's got that, like, nice stocky build for a quarterback, that, which you like. Um, completion percentage hovering around 68%, close to that 70 mark, which continues to get better year after year. You know, it was 62 last year, uh, 51 as a freshman. So we're seeing increases like that. He's a rushing threat as well, which you like to see. He's had six, at least 60 yards in the last three games to go along with six touchdowns over that three games span as well so he's adding a little bit of a threat with his legs as well um this is a guy that is a six-year player at this point um redshirted twice uh, and then suffered a season-ending injury in 2020 uh, after one game so he's really only had the two years on the college level and there is some noticeable improvement from year one to two so um this offense as well utah's offense has a lot of pro style concepts you know, a lot of snaps under center, uh, deep dropbacks and rollouts off of play action. So he does have a little bit to work on mechanically. Um, needs to step into his throws a little bit. Um, you tend to see him lose a little bit of velocity down the field because he doesn't do that. This was something actually that I saw um, with uh, with JT Daniels, quarterback over at West Virginia, used to be at, at Georgia, who I, I'm a big fan of. Um, He's always losing a little bit of velocity on those deep throws because they're not stepping into it a little bit better. Um, he also maybe just doesn't have the strongest arm, but you know he navigates the pocket well, keeps his eyes downfield. He's just a guy who wasn't really on my radar, and he's kind of gotten my attention this year. Yeah, moving over to the QB fallers this time, I'm going to talk about Anthony Richardson. All right. Uh, someone this year at the start off that was hyped up by people like myself, including myself here, as like a Cam Newton style athlete here, um, he's been quite the disappointment. Even like, I mean, his passing, right? It's six touchdowns, seven interceptions. Like, that's what he's got on the year. It's been pretty bad. It's been pretty terrible. Only two games over 200 yards. Uh, I think one of them might be like East Washington. I, I know his big game was against Tennessee. Like besides that, like we, 
there was definitely the possibility and definitely factor in that he was going to struggle in the passing game, which he definitely has. But the fact that he's struggling with the rushing game too, like, I mean, man, I mean, six six rushing touchdowns, right? Another four fumbles. I mean, he's got he's almost what he's got to me fumbles. He's just touchdowns. Like he's like the best player on the other person on the other team as well. So it's it's been like kind of disappointing for him as as a quarterback here. It's been quite the letdown from someone that was going to be a a top Konami code quarterback going into the NFL. Now it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing at all. I mean, he really doesn't. He's he's super turnover turnover worthy on the ground or in the air. He's definitely gonna go back, obviously, but he's a huge follower. Um, yeah. Any 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 more comment about Anthony Richardson? Uh, yeah, I, I I can't remember who made the comment on Twitter, but somebody made a post that actually Arkansas quarterback uh, KJ Jefferson is actually who we want wanted Anthony Richardson to be this year. And I honestly just don't disagree. You know, like KJJ isn't really like the same level of athlete, um, but he's playing quick himself. He's got that big, strong frame, but he actually passes well against like SEC level defenses. So, you know, maybe KJJ should actually been one of my stock, my stock ups, but yeah, I've been, I've been pretty disappointed with Anthony Richardson after that hot start. Everybody was so, I think it was a win over Utah, right? Everybody was so big. Yeah, on him after Number that seven, yeah. number seven. Yeah, yeah. So everybody was so big on him after that, and he's just kind of gone downhill. And and credit to a lot of the guys at C2C. I mean, they have been saying the exact same thing. I mean, besides Felix, he loves Anthony Richardson, and and he could still develop into something. But a lot of these guys at C2C were saying, you know, he needs to develop a lot more, and we're seeing that on the field now. Yeah, for sure. And the next guy here for me, it's, it's going to be Cam Ward. Now, I'm only thinking the expectation was kind of lofty for him, including myself. He was another guy in that in that upper bracket of like, maybe he's a top five quarterback. Maybe he's the first rounder this year. Um, I think me and Corey talked about him a few weeks ago, talking about how he has like instinct levels that are just, you can't teach. I'm still on that. I still think he has the tools for it, uh, but he was someone that struggled passing down the field at the FCS level. Now he's in the FBS and that seems to be carrying over. Uh, I think he's taking more shots downfield, but he's just not there yet, but definitely need to watch next year. But as far as the 2023 class goes, definitely not be coming out. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't. I I think that's the main thing is I'm I'm almost not even considering him for the 2023 class anymore because I think he knows he knows he needs another year. Everybody knows he needs another year. The right guys should be talking to him and tell him that he needs to stay another year, work out those kinks, put a little bit of better play on tape, and and look forward to 2024. Maybe be that next guy that will step into that group for the 2024 for us. You know, um, I don't necessarily disagree either. It's um, the expectations were a little too high coming into the year. You know what I mean? This is a guy who's coming from FCS, coming into a, a P5, not even jumping into like G5 or anything, straight to P5 level defenses right away. Extremely raw guy. You know, I, I have seen improvements, uh, like you were saying with the instincts. He he has pushed the ball down the field a little bit more almost every week. You know, he, he's getting a little bit more comfortable, but I think it's been a little bit of a slower process than, than some people were hoping for. He hasn't become, you know, this, this smash start, like multiple touchdown, o- over 300 yards uh, every week type of guy that maybe some people were were hoping. But, you know, I, I see some things there to be excited for. And I'm still looking out for him. He's still on the radar, but I didn't really pay those high prices that everybody was paying. So <laughs> I'm just kind of looking forward to what he can do next year. Um, I just got one faller for you guys here in the 23 class. Um, I've talked about him a little bit before and I'm uh, kind of beating a dead horse on the poor guy here, but, uh, 
My my quarterback here is going to be Devin Leary out of NC State, and I know oh, it's a little boom. bit unfair now. I know, yeah, I know it's a little bit unfair. While he's down, he got he got injured, but I, it's not even about the injury, right? He was even he was even before the injury. I just wasn't impressed with anything he was doing before before, right? I mean, people were ready to crown this guy as like the next new face that was going to pop up in the first round, maybe that we weren't expecting. Um, I wrote him up for the Devi Guide. I wasn't overly impressed with with what I saw. You know, I, I felt he lacked throwing anticipation. Um, his arm strength only okay, not great. And I mean, his numbers this year were, were down considerably. I mean, he might have regressed, if anything. Only passed for over 245 yards one time this year. Um, he has had 11 touchdowns to four interceptions um, uh, over the beginning of the year there. Uh, finished with a PFF. I'm saying finished because I think he might be done for the year, but I don't think that's that's confirmed yet. But he's um, uh, finished with a 70 PFF passing grade, which puts him right around like Penn State quarterback, uh, Sean Clifford. So very uh, not grading out well as well. So um, this is a guy that I, I'm pretty low on and I'm going to just continue to be low on. Yeah. Didn't they have like the number one, like returning offense from last year? I'm talking about like they didn't lose many pieces. Like yeah. Yeah. They had like a lot of people coming back. Everything was set Huge up. Continuity. To, yeah. Everything was set up for him to have another great year or even progress on his numbers from last year. And, Seeing the regression, you know, for a six-year guy as well, is something that's not 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 what you want to see. Let's go on to our next position group here. We're going to talk about wide receivers. I'm going to talk about Rasheed Rice, right? So no one's really talks. People still really aren't talking about him in a Debbie capacity. People weren't talking about him before the year starts. You know, I'm a broken record here when it comes to SMU assets. Uh, but he's someone that I think going into the year I had is like around like wide receiver 10 to 15, like in that range, probably in the back end of 15. He's moved up into like my wide receiver seven right now, wide receiver eight. So uh, he's someone that I like to be a wide receiver two for NFL offense. Not exactly, again, a huge asset that you want to like, do a weekly starter on. But I think he's someone that can find a roster, stick around, maybe get that second contract, um, and maybe even step in when it, like the starter might not step in. When the uh, wide receiver one for the team has to go down, I think he's someone that can step in there. But uh, Rasheed Rice is, is a wide receiver riser for me. Gain the volume here at SMU. I'm sure he's going to be a senior bowl invite. And so he's going to get a lot of uh, looks from over there. Yeah. And I, I love his size. Isn't he like six, three, two Oh five or something like he's got, yeah. he's got, yeah, he's got a great build to him. Um, uh, I did a film review with Brandon Lejeune as well on Rasheed Rice. He's very high on him as well. Just like you are. I think he's got him as a top 10 wide receiver as well. Somewhere in that six to 10 range as well. So uh, yeah, uh, very easy guy to root for. Hopefully um, he gets a little love at the senior role and he gets turn that into some draft capital. Um, now I'm going to talk about a guy, um, formerly of LSU, now over at Nebraska. I'm talking about a guy named Trey Palmer. He transferred over to Nebraska this year, and he's he's honestly just been on f- on fire. Uh, and, I mean, I got to credit some of this call um, early in the season uh, to Colin Decker, who was very high on, on Trey Palmer, was very high on the transfer. And, and I think that he's smashed these expectations out of the park so far. He, he currently has the number four receiving grade in the country from PFF right now. And he's the highest rated power five wide receiver, which is like he, he's blowing up right now. He's a high four star guy tested in the low four fives of the 40 yard dash as a recruit. Um, and I would guarantee when you watch him and you already know he's faster today already. So guy's six one, 190 pounds are so right in that new trendy size area for wide receivers at the NFL likes. I mean, last week already, he went over 200 yards, 237 yards and two touchdowns to be exact against Purdue 
uh, last week. I know Purdue isn't the greatest defense, but he's still a big play threat, can line up outside, lines up inside. Um, I think he's second in the Big Ten in receiving right now behind um, Charlie Jones, who plays for Purdue as well. So I think he's got a sneaky shot at some draft capital, given the pedigree, given the production this year, and and the overall lack of kind of like eye candy the rest of this class has kind of given us to this point. It's been kind of a disappointing year for these guys. But I know I was talking with you a little bit uh, before um, we started our show today, and you were kind of questioning if Trey Palmer is even a Debbie asset. Yeah, I know I am. I haven't exactly dove into his gameplay at all. I, I think he's a little inflated, but he's, he's had a game against Purdue against Indiana. Like those are his two over hundred yard games, uh, and Purdue's got a pretty good defense, in my opinion, or whatever. But it's it's uh, he's someone I need to study. Was he like a former five star as well? Like he was a pretty highly rated recruit. A four star, I think high, high four star. I think like ninety five rating. So he was he was right up okay. there. So probably a top ten wide receiver in his class. Uh, gets out of LSU too, and I do want to say this about LSU. I'm glad Trey Palmer got out. I, I think Malik Kelly is going to be the end of LSU as a Debbie asset uh, for wide receivers. I think Malik Neighbors will probably be the last one we really care about coming out of there. I know me and Corey were talking about before the show. We're definitely going to get into actual recruitment in the offseason. We're going to do a few shows based on that for sure. Looking forward to it. I'm already watching high school tape, and I, I'm grading these LSU receivers lower. I just don't believe in Brian Kelly being able to develop a program in the skill position groups. I just, I just don't, and he couldn't do it at Notre Dame. And I think that's going to translate over here to LSU. But anyway, I'm glad for Trey Palmer out of there. He's a fourth year guy. Uh, I know early declare is kind of a big deal for analytics, but with this COVID year, that kind of really messed up a lot of stuff, at least like a kind of hole or like a big shift here for at least a short amount of time with later declare guys being more successful than they have, have historically been. So Anyway, I'm keeping an open watch some tape. I like the call on Trey Palmer. He's been productive. You can't deny that. So uh, now for fallers, I do have a question for you, Corey. Let's talk JSN. JSN's been hurt. He came back for a little bit. Uh, we're talking about how he may have re-aggravated his injury and uh, in a position where they just don't need him to play through this. Uh, is JSN going to be a faller for you? Or what do you think his his NFL future looks like? Yeah, I find it really hard to say someone isn't hitting expectations due to injury. You know, he's kind of been battling the hamstring. Um, there is kind of the issue, of course, that, you know, people argue that he's only the slot guy. Um, there's some questions about his athleticism as well, but I'm personally not ready to move him down yet. I mean, he just came off the hamstring injury and everybody's talking about his playing time last week and didn't do anything. But I mean, that's a really tricky injury to come back from. Um, and like, like you just mentioned, there's, there's Buzzy re-aggravated this week, which means he could, he could be shut down for all I know, especially if he starts looking ahead towards the NFL draft. Like, and I don't know what this really does for his draft stock if he doesn't become like, like a big guy, like, do you think do you think it's possible that we could see him go to the 2024 class? No, I think to get the bag now. I mean, he knows there's talent behind him. Not that he would depth chart, but I think I think he's gonna be kind of pushed to go out. I think he's still gonna have I think he's still gonna have that first round grade. I definitely don't think that's gonna happen. Maybe he drops from like, you know, the tenth overall pick to like the twenty even better because he might get some better teams to be on rather than the, the earlier guys there. So um I'm not really too worried about it here for the rest of the year, for example. I think he'll have to show up at the combine for sure. Like he just he can't sit out the combine where maybe he could have before and then no one really is. But if this is one of those cases he'll have to uh 
he'll have to come out to the combine. You, you know what's kind of the funny thing though is that is the fact that there is some athleticism questions. It's you almost wonder if not going to the combine would be better for him. If he's gonna run like in that four six range or whatever, like maybe it's just better we just think of this guy as Cooper Cup and be done with it or something. You know, someone's gonna operate from the stop, be really good at it. I personally think that he could play outside still, so I'm not I'm not even ready to say that. But uh, I wonder if the people will tell him, you know, if he's not going to run a great time, maybe it's not a, the best idea. So there could be a lot of open-endedness to his profile come draft time, especially if he doesn't test, he doesn't do his pro day, he doesn't do nothing. Like, I don't know. It, 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 it's it, it's hard to to say what's going to happen, but he's still going to hover in that tier one wide receiver from even if he ends up a day two pick or something like that. We've seen lots of talent come from, from day two. Um, we know the talent that's there. We've seen it last year. So um, I'm not panicking just yet. That's a, that's a great point, though. So if we look at, like, David Bell, for example, right? Like, we all knew he wasn't an athlete. And he goes, mm. he was, I think it was before he went, he was projected like a mid-day two, or mid-second round guy in day three. I don't know if JSN gets to that level because it's Ohio State. It's Brian Hartline. Um, but that definitely is a very interesting question, thought-provoking here. Now, I did just do a trade involving Jason. I just want to know your opinion on here. You didn't get to hear it yet, so I'll get to see some real live reaction here. Um, I'm not a computer on the NFL side. I traded Chris Godwin plus uh, recruit. Oh man, I, this includes recruits. I guess. I guess. Let me. Let me. Just, would you rather Chris Godwin or JSN going forward? Situation. Oh. And everything. Mm, that's a tough Tom one. Godwin. Godwin's probably yeah, I guess I'm saying Godwin's probably gonna see a lot of turnover there. Um, it's hard to see if he's gonna be really good. How old is Godwin? He's gonna be 27 next year. He's 26 this year, isn't he? I think so. I believe so. He's 26 or 25. So yeah, yeah, he's getting there. My first initial reaction, which I don't think is the way your trade went, by the way you're talking, but my first initial reaction is if I was the Godwin owner, but this is C2C, right? First, let me clarify that the C2C or Debbie. This is C2C, and just for the recruits, just so you know, I got my wide receiver one, the wide receiver one going to Ohio, and then I got the tight end one who's uncommitted, but he's going to like USC or or uh, Georgia. And then um, I also traded the the actual official 24-7 wide receiver one, Zachariah Branch, who's going to USC. It's on the smaller side, but he's definitely a Jalen Waddle type of athlete for sure. No, that's a fine trade. Yeah, I initially, my first instinct, obviously, is when I hear that guy, I think that you need there needed to be a little bit more added to JSN in order to reach Godwin. It sounds like there's a little bit of a balance there. I know Zachariah branch is kind of exciting too. a little bit of a smaller guy though, as well. But um, yeah, it, it sounds like, like a, like a decently fair trade to me. Honestly, I'm not surprised by one way or the other. I mean, there's a lot of upside with JSN. still if he becomes that young guy for you, that could be on your roster for, for years to come. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's move forward here. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about some actual followers here. We we just kind of discussed JSN open. Uh, this one's gonna be really easy. I'm gonna go with Jermaine Burton. Uh, obviously, Jermaine Burton hyped up. You guys kind of know the story. We talked about it weeks ago. Uh, super athlete from Georgia reports that looks silly, and this is from the Georgia defense that pretty much won them the national title last year. Uh, that whole narrative goes over to Alabama. We think it's gonna be the same as Jamison Williams because they have a certain number one clearly. Saban didn't like the current wide receivers on the roster. He's pretty open about that uh, and just has done nothing but fall on his face about it. This <laughs> thing with the fans, he's doing his, his Chris Brown's impression, I guess, on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's a huge follower. He's not even in my top 10. I know he's an athlete. I don't really care about athletes going to the next level if they have no production. This guy does not have I really think that he can separate at the NFL. If he can separate now, I don't think he's going to separate the NFL level. It's that simple. 
and I think he's just gonna get he's just gonna get a chart. That's it. Yeah, this this was a guy that obviously I had a lot of hope for. So um, I just want to uh, formally issue an apology to anybody who has drafted him off of my analysis. I hope uh, so that if you I. were, <laughs> I hope that if you were listening to me, you also have a little Condre Miller and Raheem Sanders shares that you're basking in. Um, but <laughs> oh, excuse me. So at least you have that going for you. But I'm very sorry about Jermaine Burton. I mean, it's just been downhill since he's gotten there. I mean, it's honestly been downhill since the freshman season. He's never really replicated the, those flashes he gave us there um, yes. in that year. Yeah, and, and then I need to do my apology, too. I'm sorry. I had him as, as wide receiver four going into the year. Uh, and just how Corey offset with his successes. I hope you guys picked up Caden Brather. My wide receiver, like, five for that class or six for the 24 class. Anyway. You're, you're, giving, you're giving away all the goods, man. I'm going to talk about a little, a little bit of Keen Prather later. But anyways, for this now, anyways, um, my right. follower for for this class, um, I'm going over to Penn State, and I'm talking about Parker Washington. And um, this one was a little bit tough because, you know, there's a good track record of guys making it up Penn State, you know, being productive. Um, a lot of these guys were very productive in their final years, you know, whether you're talking about Chris Godwin that you were just talking about or Hamler or Dotson. And we kind of hope that, that Parker was going to be that next guy to step into this role for 2022. Unfortunately, uh, that hasn't really been the case, or, or at least hasn't looked as flashy as it has in the past. You know, for what it's worth, he is leading the team uh, in in receiving, and I think he is leading the team in receptions as well. Last time I looked, I think only by like two catches or something like that. So he is starting to at least, you know, be the top guy there. But that only amounts to like just under 400 yards, and he's only got one touchdown through this whole year. So it really hasn't been what we what we kind of expected. Um, he has seen a little bit more time outside this year, which is something that we wanted to see, but he's generally known as more of like a, like a slot guy. And like he's gen that's, he started out about 90% slot in the beginning of this year, right? He was barely getting any production. Um, I did want to say though, over the last two weeks, um, that number's only been at about 60%. Parker's seen a little bit of an increase in production playing a little bit more on the outside. I don't know if that's going to be a trend that maybe we start to see. You know, this has always kind of been the the state the, uh, case with Penn State's offense. Um, they've generally funneled their offense through the outside wide receivers through the years. Um, this is actually one of the concerns with Parker coming into the year because he was a slot guy. Um, so it's nice to see that he's getting some time outside. Maybe we see a little bit of a boost down the stretch for this guy. I'm not completely out on him as a prospect. He still has a great size. He's 5'10", 215 pounds. He's got the athleticism to him. Um, and I've always been pre pretty impressed with his hands. He's, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he's got some incredible hand uh, hands, made some incredible catches through the years. But um, I just don't think that he's met the, the top 10 wide receiver expectations that we had for him coming into the year. And uh, for that reason, he, he, he's a, uh, a, um, a follower for me. Yeah, I like it. Same, echoing everything Corey just said, I'm with you too. Uh, he was definitely inside my top 10 too going into the year. And I actually have no idea where I have now because I'm pretty sure I like immediately dropped him out of like my top 15. But this class has just been the top is still solid, but then like after that, it's just a huge pile of meh. It really is. It just it doesn't feel is, like is the top even solid anymore? Like man, I don't even. I don't I mean, even know. Butte, like uh, like we love right. we love the idea of them, but they just have they're not showing it, so it's hard. It's, you're kind of like banking on old past years now. Almost the Rondale thing, man, where we put so much on that freshman season with Rondale. It's a group where you're not feeling good about your second round picks and rookie drafts unless you need a running back. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go into running back rises. This one's going to be kind of easy. These guys we talk about a lot. So I'm going to go real quick. Mine is just going to be uh, Kendra Miller, T -T -T TCU, uh, getting a big workload this past week here. He's been, he's been killing it every single week. I'm waiting for a reaction Twitter to catch on. He just hasn't. I don't know why. Maybe we have to wait a little bit longer, but 
But no, I, I like TCU's uh, Kendrick Miller. He's my RB6. He was not that to start off. I really don't know where I had him to start off. I think he was maybe around RB10. Uh, but he is he's pretty solidified at six seven spot for me. And I hope he goes out this year. I just think he's real smooth. I think he does it all. I really do. So. Yeah, I think the only thing that I'd really like to see from him, um, we mentioned a little bit before, is a little bit more of a receiving profile, but like this offense just doesn't pass to the running backs. Uh, for what it's worth, he has eight catches on the year. Uh, the next highest guy in the running back room only has five. So he is leading the backs, at least when they when they do throw to them. He is the guy that they're throwing to. So uh, it's just not the volume we'd really like to see to make a solid valuation on his his pass catching. You know, I I, I typically think he looks natural, but um, regardless... Go ahead. Yeah, he does. He does have a positive eight out. Like you got to say that at least. Like they're not. They're not just dump offs. Like he's getting decent yardage too, isn't he? Yeah, like he does. He does pretty well. Like I mean, even last year he was tearing it up on some screens and tearing it up on some some drop offs, uh, dump offs as well. So I don't think. I definitely don't think it's it's a negative on his profile at least. So we'll Josh, just have to see yeah. where it goes. Eleven targets, eight receptions, seventy five yards. We're trying to see his eight is two. Okay, whatever. Still, positive A dot. That means he's not catching just dump offs, which we can at least feel really good about that. Yeah, no, I mean, there's lots to feel good about Contre Miller this year. So RB6 for me as well, for what it's worth. Um, but heading over to my guy here, I'm going to talk about Pittsburgh running back uh, Israel Abanaconda. And he kind of he, he had a strange start to the season. Um, he was kind of in a, a backfield split with Rodney Hammond, a, a junior guy there. Hammond actually ended up looking a little bit better than him, like in week one. Um, and I think think Izzy might have got a little bit banged up as well so so Hammond looked like he was going to take the job and it looked like Izzy was going to be dropping in the ranks a lot and then all of a sudden Hammond goes and gets injured right and then misses a few games and and lo and behold who puts himself back on the radar it's it's it's, it's Izzy you know and he put together some exceptional performances right versus Tennessee 25 carries 152 yards a touchdown versus um Western Michigan 31 carries, 100, 133 yards, one touchdown. Then Hammond comes back, and we get a little bit worried. He's going to eat back into the thing. Maybe Izzy's going to drop again, but nope. Stays the Izzy show. 19 carries for 177 yards and four touchdowns versus Rhode Island. Now, the big game here, West Virginia, 36 carries, 320 yards, and six touchdowns. Um, I mean, this guy's just been blowing up ever since he's getting his his chance now. You know, it, this is a guy who should test extremely well as well. He's got some really good verified 100-meter track times, around a 10.7. Um, he had a 4 or 5 flat as a recruit, almost a 40-inch vertical as a recruit as well. He's got the great size, 5'11", 210. So, honestly, I think Izzy has a good chance to be a top 10 back in this class and he might be closer to six than he is 10 yeah no I, I like the call a lot too i do have to take i do want to say this note here with uh abanaconda is he abanaconda running back for pit uh he he seems to operate almost exclusively out of zone not mm-hmm. gap so he's got to go to his own system i'm trying to think off the top of my head i want to say i'm not even sure if miami does zone anymore but that would be a great fit anyway he's a he's a zone running back really great at it He's gonna be, oh, be great with, with McDaniels there. He definitely he runs that wide zone there. Yeah. He'd love he'd yeah, be great so, there. So he's gonna be kind of scheme dependent at the next level. And I'm not sure. I think that might be a like a knock on his profile where he's not gonna be too versatile. But anyway, yeah, I like him a lot. Love his tools. Let's go into the running back fallers here. Now, obviously, I care a lot about size, and I don't even consider guys that are small. There are some prolific smaller running backs out there. But Devin Achain, for me, has been kind of a disappointment this year. People were hyping him up as a as a top asset here. He's just – I don't know. I watched him the other day. I really did. I turned on some film. He looks less explosive. He looks uh, less decisive for me too. Um, he's a really poor blocker. I mean, he's really poor. 
I, I might I might not like Blake Corn, but I do think Blake Corn is actually a really great pass blocker, uh, similar mm-hmm. to, to Kyron Williams, honestly, the way he was blocking. So, Devin Ochain, I don't think he has much of a future in the NFL. He's small. For for being his size, he's not breaking away huge huge runs like the way he used to. Because now the defense is going to focus on him because they don't have another running back there at Texas A and M. Like they can they can lock down whatever few options A and M has because Texas A and M is just dumpster fire right now uh, with Jimbo Fisher and all that. Anyway, so Devin Ochain, who really hasn't been talked about too much by too many people out there, I don't know where that crowd from, but I I really don't think this guy. I don't even think this guy's in early day three. Like, I don't – I think he has to go back. He's definitely going to go back one more year. He's got to. Yeah, I mean, he's got speed, though. So, I think, like, when, when the NFL sees him test with that speed, he's going to get draft capital. Like, that's that's just something – and, and it's it's going to make people draft him before they probably should. So, um, <laughs> I am I think you covered most of the bases here. Um, I don't – I have to dive into it too much. I, I do think he – I except I do think he is probably going to get that draft capital once he, once he gets that speed uh, – once people see that speed, the guy's going to be like a 4-2 guy. But this is probably just a guy that I – the term I like to use for these guys is he's going to be better for an NFL team than he is going to be for your fantasy team. That's why he's going to be drafted high, but that's not the reason you should draft him in fantasy, right? So he's explosive. He'll be good for an NFL team. He's not going to be good for your fantasy team. Um, so I'll move over to my guy over here. And uh, this is a guy that I don't really hear a lot of people talking about kind of the poor year he's having, or at least the poor uh, last four games anyways. Um, and I'm going to talk about Jace McClellan over at Alabama. Um He's somebody that a lot of people said was prospect. I was excited about him as a prospect. I think I had him at RB4 in the class uh, that year, if I want to say, uh, or RB5, somewhere around there. He had the highest spark score of the class, uh, pretty well-rounded back, good size, good athleticism, and he was going to the powerhouse in Alabama, right? So we should have been pretty excited about that. Um, he did. He was injured last year, came back healthy to begin the year. Now, if you look back, uh, if you look at the beginning of the year before conference play started, uh, he was actually looking pretty good. Some people were even were even saying he looked a little bit better than Gibbs in the beginning as a peer rusher. Um, over la- over uh, the first four weeks of the season, he was playing teams like uh, Utah State, Louisiana Monroe. Uh, he did play Texas, and then he played Vanderbilt. Um, and over those first four weeks, he was averaging over eight and a half yards per carry. So obviously, there was a little bit something to be excited about. And now we started conference play, right? And I and uh, I want to look at the last four weeks where he's facing teams like Arkansas, Tennessee, a Texas A and M, and Mississippi. Now, over those four games, he's only averaging two point eight yards per carry. Okay, and it's not like the workload has been very different. You know, he had twenty nine rushes over the first four weeks compared to twenty five twenty five over the last four. Um, now, I know that yards per carry isn't exactly this that we should like hang our hat on for the full evaluation. But honestly, ever since conference play started, the players have really dropped off for this guy. Um, I do think he probably stays another year. So 2023 might not even be the year that we're looking at. He probably gets the first crack of the job heading into the year, but um, you know, maybe he can clean things up, become the guy, you know, and, and push himself into the, the 2024 class. But I'm just a little bit disappointed. Um, he's coming back from injury. I don't know if he's nagging him as well, but I just, I haven't been overly impressed from, with what I've seen from Jason McClellan this year. Highly rated hyper athlete. Just haven't seen him put it together. I'm with you there. And again, like I need to see some sort of production. So Chase McClellan's going back. He's, he was with the Kendall Milton for me, honestly, like they're kind of like the same play, not same, but the same profile player where you just kind of like injury nagging, nagging injuries, a lot of talent in that room. When's it going to be their shot? Like, hopefully it'll be maybe a Brian Robinson type thing where they're their fifth year guy. But I mean, Brian Robinson is really not doing well at the next level anyway, but uh, let's, let's move on to the 2024 QBs here. I mean, you got the same guy. Uh, I don't think a lot has to be said here, but let's talk about Drake May. Uh, UNC, I was high on him preseason. That was kind of my guy. I was pretty excited about it. But 
he's got he's a great size athlete too, six four, two twenty. He's he's that 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 franchise pocket passer build. He's got great accuracy. He's got seventy percent completion ratio on the year, a little bit less. Um, as far as a runner goes too, he's like sneakily athletic as well. Uh, but he does he does have five fumbles on the year. I'll say that. But uh, he's 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 got it all. He really does. He's got it all. He's going to be an early round pick next year. And not only that, I think he's going to be someone who's successful successful at the next level. Yeah, I mean, this guy's just been like blowing up ever since he took over for Sam Howell, right? I think only two games under 300 yards passing. Um, and I mean, even in like you were saying, I mean, th- th- this game log, 18 attempts, 14 attempts, 13 attempts, 13 attempts. He's not just like, like a pure pocket passer. You know, it's 70 yards, 53 yards, 73 yards and two touchdowns. Like he is getting things done on the ground as well. He's looking good. He's making use of Josh Downs, which I love. Uh, so, so, I mean, this explosive offense, the only thing that I kind of hold here is... I know there might've been some other things with, with injury related to Howell and whatever, but it's just like, why didn't the NFL love what Howell was doing from this system? And why should we love Drake may more because of it? Do you have any thoughts on that? I just think, it's, I mean, you know, I care about physical profile. I was like six foot 170. I thought his decision making wasn't great. I thought his turnover worthy plays were a lot higher too. Uh, there's just a lot of times where how could have thrown the ball away, but he just wanted to be the hero. I thought a lot of the prospects last year, were just players that wanted to be the hero. They want to play hero ball. Uh, I mean, Jack, who's who's the guy before Jackson Dart at Ole Miss? Matt Corral. Yeah, hero ball Thank game. You. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt Corral. Willis wants to – everyone's all like, oh, well, he makes one good throw every game, you know, but runs the ball a ton. Like, it's, I feel like a lot of these guys weren't – they just they didn't have like, the game manager part of the game now. Like, they, they couldn't – they're just trying to play hero ball. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I don't, I'm not holding it against him just yet. It is something I'm kind of just keeping my eye out for, you know. And, and when you're performing this well, though, but then again, I, I will say Sam Howell was a lot better in his first two seasons than he was kind of in his last season, um, was kind of putting up numbers like this as well. So it's just it's something I'm, I'm keeping eyes out for. But but you're right. The physical profile looks better. He looks a little bit more uh, accurate. He looks a little bit more quicker with his decisions. So um, definitely a riser in this class. Yeah, let's go into the fallers now. And I just mentioned uh, Ole Miss. I'm going to talk about Jackson Dart here. Uh, someone that you pointed out to me, because you were trying to cool cool down the fire over here on my end, talking about how he only actually had two good games. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, man, but it's a freshman that got on the field at a prominent program, all this other stuff. Um, I really, you know, I think the, the writing was on the wall. I think I was ignoring the signs. A lot of people don't talk about this or I think notice this, but I think a lot of teams that lose their franchise quarterback, talking about the NFL and college side, uh, they flip to a run-heavy offense. You know, think about the Patriots here. Once they start losing Tom Brady, they start drafting Sony Michelle, and, and now they're a run-heavy offense. I think that's just a common trend where teams are like, all right, well, we're going to play it safe. We're going to game before we find out we're going to do with quarterbacks. Ole Miss clearly just did the same thing. I mean, they took in Zach Evans. They got Quinshawn Judkins, who – I know we were high on it as a program, but they also brought in the UEC family who was going to work in there too. So it was, and they didn't bring in any actual like pass catchers besides the tight end I, that's escaped me right now. But Trig. Uh, Trig. so it, yeah, Jackson Dart's a big follower for me. Uh, I think he had a really bad game this past week, and I can't speak to that kind of fight. So he might be, he might be sad. I believe the the word is on the street that he might not be playing next game. Uh, anyway, Jackson Dart who was, I feel like, a consensus top five for the class, maybe top six, top seven, but I, I don't think he's anywhere close to that for the industry at all. Yeah, he was definitely up there. Um, I mean, looking at him, only passed for over 213 yards once this year. 
um, has 11 touchdowns with seven interceptions. That's that's pretty tough to see. Yo, talk um, about but, his pressure. Pressure to throw in these picks. Yeah, and and he he really tailed off at the end of the game last week too again against LSU. Like like it, it looked like they were doing pretty good against him at one point, and then Jaden Daniels and LSU come storming back to like absolutely destroy them. So um, he definitely hasn't been up to our expectations. And and I know I harped on you for the two games or whatever, but I was very excited off those two games last year as well. Like I I had Jackson Dart pretty high in my rankings as well. I was like you know he showed these flashes maybe with a full off season and whatever like he he could be awesome, but. You know, it just hasn't hasn't really come to fruition. You know, and, and, and like we think about this offense, we were just talking about it with Matt Corral, and Matt Corral smashed in this offense. Okay, and look at how the NFL viewed him. So if Jackson Dart is just kind of meh, I know he has a bit, a little bit of a better um, physical profile than Matt Corral had, but I don't know how we can expect him to be you know looked at even more favorably than Matt Corral was when Matt Corral was at least smashing in this and putting up putting up rock star numbers in this offense, right? So it's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow, but he's definitely a, a faller in this class for me as well. Um, the other guy I'm going to talk about here, definitely going to go with a little bit of a cop-out answer here as well, uh, especially given the injury that he suffered, but I'm going to talk about Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner. You know, um, anybody who watched, watched him at the beginning of this year really knows exactly what I'm talking about, though. It's not just the injury. This guy had a very eight, hard eight time. Eight for eight, 125, baby. Yeah, and then, you just, and then you destroyed him <laughs> after that. Everything was downhill after you sent out that tweet. You know, this guy, very hard time working within structure, um, could barely get the offense moving most of the time, really didn't even do much with his legs, which is kind of a surprise. I was kind of like his calling card uh, a lot of the time, too. He just seems more of, more of a project than I, I initially expected looking at him. You know, he's a guy with the tools, the nice arm, the good athleticism, the mobility um but this guy just like he's like to me my notes on him you know he struggles to read a defense in motion like when the, when the play's happening like he has no idea where he's going especially if his first read is gone um really lacks throwing it with with some touch and anticipation or uh, anticipation he's always putting the ball like right on the guy and he's not like throwing anywhere like leading the guy anywhere away from traffic or whatever you know he's the kind of guy who needs to see somebody open to throw it and, i mean they got the, they got what's his name right now at quarterback a uh, drew pine at quarterback right now who's actually got this offense yeah. like like humming way better than than buckner did at all in the beginning of this year so i mean i don't this know what easy... you call it humming but yeah well better. not humming but at least at least going get functional functional that which is all i wanted to see from buckner so i mean this is an easy fade for me even if he gets back and gets that hype back you know i'm just gonna have to see a lot more on the field before i decide to buy in again yeah let's go on to the wide position now 2024 wide receiver position here I actually have two guys to talk about. I'll just talk about one first here. A guy that Corey put me on to, and I'm I'm absolutely driving this train right now on the slide. He's stealing he's stealing my flag my flag plant, guys. He just I, I mentioned him one time and he's just taking it and running with it now. Absolutely, that's me. <laughs> Talking about Colby Young, wide receiver from Miami, transfer Juco guy. I, I got so deep into looking into this guy, Corey. I'm looking at his Juco film. I'm looking at Lackawanna just as a program too, who actually put in a lot of transfers into the uh, into the FBS level here. I have him down as my wide receiver nine right now for the 2024 class. I think he actually is a really good athlete. Now, when it comes to guys that are like six foot, four, uh, those guys aren't going to be separators. They're not going to be route runners. That's not really their game. They don't. They they just they're just too big to have quick feet like that. Uh, so these guys need to be like big slots at the next level. They need to have certain special athletic traits. Anyway, I think Colby Young is that level of athlete. I think he's going to be a big slot at the next level. He can be like a ceiling play of like, or Michael Thomas here. Or, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. Michael Pittman, Michael Thomas. I think I think like that could be his ceiling. Honestly, I think he's going to be used similar to how like Tillman's being looked at right now. Like Tillman's a running, it's a lot of it's a lot of comebacks, a lot of nines. Yeah, you know it's so it, it's going to be like one of those. So I, I have him at nine. I got him right behind uh, big neighbors and like Jacoby Brooks, and then I got him right in front of Lorenzo Styles, who we'll talk about soon. Any word on uh, Colby Young? Yeah, I mean, I've just been uh, I've been enjoying the the breakout a little bit here. I mean, when he made that catch over the dude this past week, I think I think that was a pass actually from Jake Garcia, who we talked a little bit before, who is going to be starting yeah. for him now. So it's nice to see too as well that even though TVD went out, that Jake Garcia came in and he was still the guy. You know, I think that's I think that's noteworthy yes. too. So it's it's nice to see that it doesn't matter who's going to be throwing the ball. This guy's commanding the targets right now, so he looks like a true X. Like he he honestly does he but he I'll agree with you he doesn't look like the fattest or the fattest <laughs> the fattest or oh my god the fastest foot guy out there you know he's a little bit big um but he's six five like two hundred and twenty pounds he's probably gonna be six five two hundred twenty pounds when he gets the NFL six four I know I know we are trying to figure out that that height I mean because a lot of sites list him at six three six four six five so but he's gonna be around that two hundred twenty pound mark so that that's just the type of player he's gonna be and I, I love to see it. I, I like that you're on you you're driving the train for right now and I love it. We are so excited about it. We are fumbling over our words so hard. Like we are, yeah. we're like yeah. stuttering over here about it. Yeah. But no, yeah. uh, nine and twelve targets, six and nine catches. Uh, his his snaps are thirty four and forty six. I mean, week six is when he finally touched the field with eleven snaps. I mean, since then it's been history. Now he's playing, and on those eleven two. snaps, what did he get? Three catches, forty three yards, and, and a touchdown. He just commands the targets when he gets out there, man. He's making one handed grabs in the end zone. I mean, this guy. I mean, this guy could be a this guy could be an NFL fade machine at the next level. We are excited, now. if you can't tell. Okay, go get you some Colby. Very, <laughs> so excited. I like. I mean, this year's class, right? I mean, Marvin Harrison, Emeka, Xavier Worthy. I think their consensus top three. But like, Bo Collins, like I don't know. DJU is kind of ruining you right now. Jojo Earl coming back. There, love him. You're gonna talk about him soon. Malik Neighbors, like again, I don't know. LSU is kind of burning down to the ground as far as skill positions go. And then Jacoby Brooks, who's has a resurgence like Colby Colby Young, I think to me has a legit chance to be like the wide receiver four come draft time. Now he's not for me right now. I'm pumping the bricks a little bit here, but mm-hmm. uh, I am I am loving what his ceiling can be. I'm loving him. I would have tweeted about him a lot more this week, but I got waivers running tonight, so <laughs> you guys will be seeing that. It's a busy time. This episode man. releases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought I was out of like waiver pickups in the program, and then I found out I didn't, and I saw Kobe Young was still available. Dude, I'm. I've dumped. I dumped ninety percent. It's really a good thing. It. It's I'm, a good thing this comes out tomorrow and not tonight. <laughs> dude, absolutely. All right. Uh, who's who's uh, who's your rise before I get to my numbers? Uh, yeah. So you alluded to him a little bit. Uh, gave him a little bit of a sneak peek. We've talked about him a couple times. Not not never really super in depth. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna talk about Western Virginia uh, wide receiver Caden Prather. Um, I really just wanted to find a different name to talk about in this class because there's not a lot of names that are really showing themselves. Like you were just saying, we've got those top three, and we don't really have any anything else. But I think this guy could be a riser in this class. You know, the dude has great size, six four, two hundred eleven pounds. Pretty nice prospect, kind of an athletic specimen uh, with a lot of raw talent. 
Um, I wouldn't say he's taken the world by storm this year, but he's become like a main component of, of the West Virginia offense, right? Um, only has two games under six catches and has the second most catches on the team behind Bryce Ford Wheaton. And, uh, and speaking of Wheaton too, like, I don't really think that these two guys are, are that different. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton was another guy who was a size speed specimen um, who we were all hoping would take the next step eventually. Um, I'm still not really sure that's happened for him, unfortunately. And I think he's a fourth or fifth year guy now. So, um, but, but with, yeah, fifth year, and he, he's still dropping balls out there. He still doesn't look refined, so that's unfortunate for him. But with Prather, I think he's already kind of ahead of where Wheaton was at this point in his career. Um, he's had some he's had some games this year where he looks like he's kind of ready to take over this wide receiver room. I know he's led, led the room a couple times this year as well. Um, I know Wheaton's still going to be there for another year, but I honestly think Prather could be the go-to guy in this offense going into next year. Yeah, I think a big game this week coming up too. He's definitely a guy I was all over uh, in the offseason here. I actually think he's six foot three. I know they list him six foot four this year. He's a six three two ten guy, which is still fine. I like that better, to be he, honest. A little bit, little yeah, bit, little bit yeah. shorter. Yeah. Uh, I do think he moves way like I talked about. He moves like George Pickens. Not aggressive. Doesn't have that dog. No one has that dog in him like the way George Pickens does. But I feel like as yeah. far as athleticism goes and the way he runs and just his body's language. Moves a lot like uh, George Pickens here, but I, I love Caden Prather. Uh, West Virginia University has a new uh, OC from uh, USC. I know it's like a positive and negative thing on who you're talking about. The guy has had some good seasons, some bad seasons, but it's a new system. It, it it's it's. I think he's going to be. T- I'm down with you on that one. I actually uh, love that comparison. By the way, I love George Pickens and, and Caden Prather. That is a that's a, that's a good one. I'm going to be watching out for that. But uh, yeah, go ahead here with your next guy. Yeah, not but again, not the same aggressive level, you know, no, but no, just but... yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my next guy here is a guy that we haven't talked about at all. I actually went to go watch some film on him, so I, I'm kind of excited to talk about him here. It, it's Troy Franklin, uh wide receiver for Oregon. He's slender. I really don't like slender receivers at all. He's six foot three, one eighty. Uh slender guys tend to have a hard time with press coverage and the physicality of the NFL level. But he's like the one exception to guys with those type of builds that are doing well. Also, Devonta Smith is like the highest winner. So anyway, um, he had he's coming off a huge game. He was a highly rated. I want to say he was top ten for his class. I don't know his starting off my top of my head. But I turned on some film, man, and and he was a tough eval for me because he's he he has great hands, great this year. Uh, he made some really great adjustments to the ball in the air. But like he's also not like a separator. I don't think he's a route. He's he's not he's not lacking in athletics. You know he's athletic enough to get separation. Um, and just watching some clips actually before we were talking on the show, I realized how he gets separation. It, it's 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 body control. It's disguising how fast he's, he likes to do a lot of slow goes. He'll start off more of a jog and then he'll kind of kick it in once he gets close enough. And that's that to me is how he makes his separation at the NFL level or not, excuse me at. The, <laughs> At the Pac-12 level, um, but no, he's he's uh, he's currently a wide receiver ten for me. Uh, somebody I need to evaluate more. But yeah, any thoughts on Troy Franklin so far? Yeah, no, and and just going to the last topic you were just saying there about the speed deception in his routes, I think that's a really underrated part of, of of wide receiver route running that's not looked at enough is that speed deception. Guys like DeAndre Hopkins do this super good at the next level. Guys like Stephon Diggs, I do think that's a really good talent. 
um, 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 to have being able to kind of mix up your speed. It throws guys off when they really don't know the kind of speed you have. You know, I, I do think Troy Franklin is super athletic as well. Um, I was a little bit lower on the guy coming into the year. Now, you look at his game log, even from last year, one of my big gripes was that he played so much, but he never took over any game. I mean, we were looking at his game log. What was it? One game over 40 yards, and it was only like 44 yards. The rest were all under 40, all under, uh, uh, 40 yards. Um, had some ball tracking issues. I, I pointed out that game to uh, the bowl game last year where I don't even know what happened. The ball looked clean. It looked like he could have made a play on it, somehow just lost it, whatever. So I am happy to see now that this year, He's taking over games. He's becoming that number one guy. Um, the hands issue. He's, he doesn't have many drops on the year. He looks like he's tracking the ball a little bit better. So maybe he has a, he has a eighty-seven percent catch rate on the year so far. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, which is amazing for a downfield passer. I mean, his ADOT's not short. Like it's 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 got great hands. No, no, exactly. Like I, I do. I definitely think he's taking a step forward this year. The thing that bugs me the most probably is that slender size and maybe a little bit of play strength because of that size. I mean, six, three, 178 pounds. He's listed at, um, could be closer to 170 pound range. I mean that you can even notice it when you look at him on the field. The guy looks like a freaking walking tree. Like he's, he's very thin. <laughs> so I do, I want, I would love to see him add more weight, hopefully not at the expense of some of that athleticism as well. Um, but he is, he is a guy that, that probably does deserve a bump and, and probably someone I was a little too harsh on last year. And you know, you don't actually even liked, um, what's his name? Uh, the other wide receiver they had there, Dante Thornton. He was actually taking over games last year when he made the appearance. He only made like four appearances last year, but he was actually going over hundred yards, becoming the main dude in the game, had a great spring game this off season. I thought he was going to potentially be the breakout for this, uh, for this class and, uh, for Oregon's wide receivers, but that didn't really come to fruition. looks like Troy Franklin's going to be the guy, and I definitely got to look at him a little bit more now. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go on to the wide receiver fallers now. I'm going to talk about Lorenzo Styles, uh, Notre Dame guy. guy I actually had – I know I had him as like wide receiver four into the class going to the season. Uh, nice stout build. Killed it in his bowl game to end the year. Something like – I want to say like eight for like 100 and like – 100 yards and a touchdown something something amazing like that and, and you like seeing those late breakouts because you're like this is just the first taste of the marcus freeman offense and you just thought that that would continue into next year he was going to be the new one uh then we had tyler buckner forget how to play football so <laughs> and we got drew pine now but even with drew pine who has the offense doing a little bit better than buckner did at the end it, it's just not it's not coming together i'm not ready to give up on him yet um but this notre dame system as a whole even for recruits coming into the future, because they got some good recruits coming in. I am worried about these pass catchers. I'm worried about Lorenzo Styles. He's moved from my four to my 10. Um, but I do have in front of like I have in front of Troy Franklin, for example. I mean, I think right now, as we're talking, I can move Troy Franklin above Lorenzo Styles and feel pretty good about it. So uh he's someone that's falling for me. I don't think he's gonna put it together this year. Um, and if he doesn't put it together early next year. Uh, he, I'm definitely out. I'm out. Out. Yeah, and he's a guy that I was uh, that I had some interest in. I wouldn't say I was high as as some other people out there, but I definitely had some interest, especially after that bowl game. And like you said, looks like he was going to come into it and continue that role this year. Um, I actually, I think this year I actually did raise some athleticism questions for me as well. Uh, if anybody was watching, like that first game uh, against OSU. Um, Tyler Buckner hit him on that first play. It was like a 50 yard play, and he's wide open running down the field. He did not I look knew- fast, man. I knew you were going to that. So yeah, he, he did not look fit. like he got caught so fast. The 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 strides did not look long. Like I just it didn't no. look like he very explosive athlete. So he might just be like a slot 
kind of shift your guy at the next level. But, but yeah, I mean, like the production this year hasn't really been there either. Last three games, three catches or less, um, under 40 yards in all three games as well. I mean, it's a tough year for Notre Dame in general, um, but I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. And, and I, got, I can definitely see moving him down. Um, another guy that I'm going to be moving down here um, over at Georgia. And I'm sorry, guys. I know I've, I've done this a couple times talking about injured guys, and it's not necessarily fair. Um, but I, I, I think he deserves to be down regardless. I mean, this is, I'm talking about Adonai Mitchell at Georgia. Um, this is a guy a lot of people were excited for after he stepped up in some key moments last year, made some big catches, uh, highlight, highlight worthy catches. I remember even in, in, in the playoffs last year, I think even against Alabama in that last game, he made a, a crazy touchdown catch that like sealed the game. But anyways, like he has that excitement about him. Okay. He, he's been injured this year and he hasn't really been able to make an impact, but he did appear in three games this year. Um, didn't do much in any of them. Hasn't really made much of much of an impact when he's been there. Um, I've always found him highly unrefined. Okay, I wrote him up for the Devi Guide as well. I watched tape after tape, a game after game. This guy's a sloppy route runner, man. He's all over the place. The legs are all over the place. The arms are all over the place. He's inconsistent. It almost seems like he's still trying to figure out what to do. Um, I'm really hoping to see him take that next step. I and mean, he's not getting the chance this year. But you know, it, until he proves me to me that he just he, he isn't just an unrefined wide receiver has a knack for making some special catches every once in a while. I'm going to be out on this guy. I just don't see it with him to be honest. And that's coming from a Georgia guy. All right. Going on to running back risers for the 2024 class. I'm talking about Raheem Sanders, a guy that wasn't in my top four to start off the year. And honestly, Corey, if this year continues, isn't really going to like put it together this year. Cause it's again, recency biasy. For sure, I'm putting Raheem Sanders as RB one once the year ends. I really for Henderson to bounce back year three, but at the moment, if this stuff continues, Sanders is my RB one. We talked about him plenty on this show. That's all I got to say about Sanders. Yeah, now it's just a competition between all of us on who's going to rank him the highest. I honestly think that's what this comes down to between me, you, and Austin. We just keep pushing him up. It's like, we're like, yeah, if we put him at RB3, and the next week Austin was like, oh, I'm at RB2. And I was like, I'm at RB2. We're just, just going to go at it until he's like one for sure, and then he lets us all down. But <laughs> no, I don't think that's actually right. going to happen. I, I do think that he's just like – when you look at when you look at the top end right now, we're we're probably looking at Braylon Braylon Allen, and we're looking at Travion Sanders, right? Um, San or Henderson. I mean, uh, Travion Henderson. He's been a little bit um, injured this year. Um, hasn't seen as much time as he want as we want. He's been a little bit of a split there with Mayan Williams as well, who's looked pretty good. Um, so that's obviously pushing that recency binds down. Braylon Allen, as good as he is, everybody has a little bit of questions about his his role at the next level. Can he be that next Derrick Henry? Can he be somebody without uh, a receiving profile or anything like that? Can he be one of those guys at the next level? Because he kind of has that weird enticing profile, but also one you're kind of skeptical on. Whereas Raheem Sanders just checks all the boxes you want to see size the versatility we're talking about an x wide receiver from from uh from high school this guy actually caught more uh passes than he did rush in, in high school led his team in receiving uh, in his senior season as well so um i think last year we saw that rawness with him and you saw it in the film in the film that he wasn't really a refined rusher yet but he's taken like he's taking crazy good steps this year he looks fantastic um I know you've always been one of those guys to stay strong with me too. Um, I don't think me and you have ever dropped him out of like our top 13 to 15 running backs once he, once things really got going last year. So I'm just really happy to see him putting it all together. And, and uh, I know Noah Hills has made his comparison before, but but yeah, he, he's really on that David Johnson slash Antonio Gibson type prospect spectrum, you know, with that ton of versatility and that, and that upside at the next level. 
Yeah, for, for my guy here, uh, I'm going to go to a guy. I talked about him last week, okay, but that was before he actually went off for this game um, against uh, who was he? against North, Northwestern here. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about Roman Hemby, who I called Ramon a bunch of times on the, on the podcast last week. I don't know why. His name is Roman, not Ramon, but I'm talking about Roman Hemby, you know, three-star prospect, um, four-six guy right now, uh, verified. But I think I think he's going to test a little bit better than that. It's probably just one of those recruitment times that you see. Six foot, two hundred pounds, redshirt freshman. Um, he now has four games with double-digit carries. He's gone over hundred yards in all three of them. He's averaging six point five yards per carry, and he's proving himself as a receiver, which is one of the main sticking points we've been talking about through all these guys, um, Braylon, Braylon Allen, um, Condre Miller. That there's no receiving profile. This guy has one already in in his first real collegiate action this year. You know, he's no less than two catches in every game this year, except for one. He's got twenty six targets, twenty six catches for two hundred thirty nine yards and a touchdown. So this guy's got a top twenty PFF receiving grade for running backs in the country right now. Um, and he really had that breakout game against Northwestern. I was just alluding to, um, first time going over 20 carries, 27 rushes for 170 yards, 179 yards and three touchdowns. Okay. So he's, he's putting himself on the map now. So if you weren't in on him before you're, you probably missed the train now. Um, and now Maryland's had some success getting back to the NFL too. You know, guys like Jake Funk, Ty Johnson, Anthony McFarland, not, not super spectacular guys super successful yeah not super successful guys but guys who are at least making an impact okay um but yeah he he's definitely a riser here and i think he's going to make an impact in this 2024 uh running back class that that kind of is a little bit thin once you get past the top five yeah that's true callers now uh i see just called an audible here on the show she i changed because i totally forgot this guy existed that's how far he's fallen Byron Cardwell. Oh, I was gonna, you know, I was gonna talk about him too, but then there's this whole injury thing, and that feels that feels like a cop out. But I've taken a bunch of cop outs, so you can go ahead. Right. <laughs> Here's the guy that we were we were high on. Uh, he's got great size. We had great gear on too in the off season, talking about how he's running for like 300 yards at practice scrimmages and stuff like that. Uh, Oregon's a team that's switching, transitioning offense here. Thought we we're going to be seeing a little more of a run heavier approach. Um, not a lot of faith in Troy Franken that we talked about earlier on because he's supposed to be the one, but like didn't have a good freshman year. Anyway, moving forward, we thought it was gonna be a run heavy offense. We thought it was gonna be Byron Carwell as the one. We had CJ Verdell get all this volume out of this program and different coaching staff, but same school. So maybe something like that. And man, he hasn't even touched the field. And I, I totally forgot what's going on with him. I know he had some injury concerns, but I thought there was even more behind the scenes. But he has just been he's just not even touching the field. He's way out there. He was someone else inside my top ten. Class. Yeah, I, I was pretty high on him. I was I was definitely pumping him up in the offseason as a guy you should maybe look at to target, um, be to trade for or whatever. He he looked great in the three games he got a chance last year and down the stretch at when he was operating as the running back too. Um, once um, what's his name went out? Uh, not oh, once CJ Verdell went out, like you were just saying there, and um. Yeah, it's tough now because there's also other guys stepping in now and looking good. Right there, you're talking about Jordan James, I think, scored a touchdown last week. So it's hard to see, even if you're looking at next year, is he going to be the guy? And I don't know. So he's definitely a faller. That's a disappointing one for me. Uh, And I definitely agree with you there. Um, heading over to my guy. Um, this one hurts too, because this is a guy that's kind of been a little bit of a my guy, I guess, because like, not everybody has been in on him as much as as I have. Uh, and I'm going to talk about Cincinnati running back Corey Kiner. Um, 
uh, he was a guy t- I attached myself to as a, as a prospect. You know, I, I've given I've given this comparison before to some people, but he kind of gave me like Clyde Edwards Hilaire vibes when he was bigger. So uh, he also gave me some, like some CJ Anderson ping pong vibes, like we being able in traffic and bouncing off players. You know, very versatile players, recruit, return kicks, caught a lot of passes, elusive in the open field, and he's had some moments. Okay, he had he had like hundred yard games with LSU, which where he where he was originally last year before transferring to Cincy this year, and I thought he was really going to take control of this backfield that was was really begging for someone to take control of it but i know he's been a little bit banged up but he just hasn't done what i hoped you know i, I still kind of like him as a player i wouldn't be surprised if maybe he kind of becomes the guy um heading into next year but the shine is worn off on him and now it's just kind of some a guy that i'm just kind of keeping keeping tracks on you know and he's not even on like another 2024 guy who i'm going to mention here as well who, who's kind of a follower here and this will be i was excited about in louisville running back trey young cooley um Showed a lot of the same things, some flashes in his in his freshman year. Had some good buzz uh, in the offseason as well, and uh, he just can't take a hold of his backfield for for whatever chance. And even when they get their chance, they falter. They look better when they when they're o- operating as a complimentary guy. You know, like like Gio Bernard always looked better. Uh, uh, former Bengals running back always looked better when he was a compliment and when he actually got to start for them. So I'll say that both these guys are my stock downs for for the uh, 2024 running back class. All right, let's move on to the 2025 classes that are freshmen here. Um, we're going to go to quarterbacks. I, I'm probably just going to speak for Corey and myself here unless Corey has something else to say about it. But quarterbacks, they haven't really gotten a run. He talked about Kate Klubnik in the news. Didn't really look great out there. I am at the point where I'm actively rooting against Penn State and Clemson for Debbie reasons, too. Just let me see the freshmen out there. We know Devin Brown from Ohio State touched the field. We know Ty Simpson's not going to touch the field. But like, let me just see some more Kate, some more Drew Aller. Um, and then I'm finally excited about, right? I've already talked about him before, but I'm excited that I heard Austin and Colin talk about him today on their show. So Brady Allen's the guy that I'm pretty excited about too next year. I'm, I'm going to be watching the news closely for Purdue for anything Brady Allen related because Aiden O'Connell's gone. And I think the backup's gone too. He's also a six year. So should be Brady Allen for all those years at great size. He's, he's giving me my Drake May next year. Uh, hopefully I'm going two for two, but anyway, any other, anything you want to say about the quarterback class? No, I agree with you. I just think we need to see a couple of more of these guys a little bit more. Um, and I do actually very much agree with your uh, Brady Allen call there. I actually have him on a lot of rosters as well. And mostly, I mean, for C2C as well, I was just looking at the next guy who's going to be that productive top um, passer for Purdue as well. But I did like what I saw from the guy. So I, I definitely see that. Um, I definitely see that as well. But yeah, this class just has a lot more questions right now than it does answers. All right, let's go into the wire series here. Uh, a few risers. I'm going to talk about a guy I've been pretty negative all year, and I'm just going to get into it. It's going to be Ted McMillan. I think he might be leading this freshman class in receiving yards. If not, he's like in the top section there. He's the current wide receiver three for Arizona. Ted McMillan, I think he was he a five-star wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Is he was pretty right? high. He was pretty high up. I think high four-star. I don't think he was a five-star. High, high four, big. And I definitely like guys that are big. Uh Here's the thing, though. I question his athletics, and that's the reason why. When I'm talking about Colby Young, talking about how he's fast enough and big enough to be in, uh, a big slot here at the next level, which is kind of what you want for those guys of that size. Like, they'll never be Twitch athletes. Uh, high school, his miles per hour time is 20.4 miles per hour. Now, that's not slow, but it's also not fast. It's not, you know, it's not game-breaking speed there for sure. Uh, but I'm successful right now. He's finding success. He's just coming off, I think, his best game. Uh, and if this athleticism does improve, which it can, because he's a, I mean, it can improve. 
Uh, then, yeah, I'll be hyping him up right now. So I want to say preseason. I really want to say he was like outside my top 20. I'm up into the wide receiver 10, 11, 12 area so far. So, and he's not going to be a year one, sir. You know, I'm a company man. Gotta admit that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I was off on him for the same reasons that you are. And and to be honest, I don't know. I like the production that I'm seeing. I like everything that he's doing. I'm not sure if I didn't expect it at the same time. Very dominant in the red zone, towering over these these smaller DBs or, or guys who just aren't as big and strong as as him. And and his is maybe his lack of athleticism isn't as apparent at this level either. Um, but I am worried. I am worried that he's just more of a big body contested catch, maybe maybe red zone guy. The comparison that I've often made. When watching uh, McMillan, this was a guy who was very high in Debbie rankings at one point as, as well. I want to point that out, but it's Auden Tate and another big guy who is who hadn't it wasn't the fastest, had a knack for maybe getting open in college, making making big time catches, uh, red zone thread as well. Um, that's kind of the comparison I made for him. I, I, it might be a little bit mean right now. I'm probably gonna have to go see what his tape looks like after watching this year. Um, I love to see what he's doing, but um. Uh, he is a guy that I'm maybe not not buying into what he's doing so far. I, I want to see a little bit more from him um, for now. Yeah, we can't just can't ignore the production. That's kind of really I'm trying to make note of. Yeah, time. yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I think anybody who does something like this in, in their freshman season gets this kind of playing time or whatever is definitely something that should be on the radar. And just like Auden Tate was, this guy was like freaking top twenty Debbie wide receiver way back in the day. Like, so I mean, it, it, it's not crazy that to think that that could happen to him as well. But I'm hoping that he has a little bit more athleticism than, than Auden Tate did, who was like a four, seven guy or something like that. So I don't think he's that slow. So let's just hope he's not that slow. Um, a guy that I am high on uh, a guy that me and you were both high on pretty coming into the year. Um, that's Alabama wide receiver, Isaiah bond. Um, I, I believe he was yours, but he was my wide receiver. One of this group that came in now, of course, recency bias and you see guys get on the field. So, so it starts to change, but I almost think that maybe we should, we should stick to that. You know what I mean? He was always, he was always a little bit more of a raw, a raw athletic specimen type. You know, I think he was actually the number two athlete in this country, in the country for this recruiting cycle, if I remember correctly. So he was always a little bit more raw on the wide receiver receiver side. So uh, I was thinking there was going to be a little bit of a learning curve there. And and then maybe we should have relied on that, not, not given up that uh, ranking of him, but we're actually getting to see him on, on the field already. You know, and he's out there flashing that speed. He's, he's had a couple of big catches already. And his snaps have increased a lot over the past two weeks. And, and this wasn't just due to blowouts either. I know last week was a blowout, but the game against Tennessee two weeks ago was actually the highest amount of snaps he's played to date. So, and then that's a game where they're trying to come back. They're trying to do something. And, and they thought they could get a spark out of this guy. So I think his learning curve is already ahead of where I expected it to be. And in a room that continues to look for, for a spark at the wide receiver position, maybe he can be that dude going down the stretch. You know what I mean? So maybe we should watch out for this guy kind of heading into the playoffs here. Here He was also my one in this class. He was raw. Dude, his mom liked my tweet when I tweeted about him, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. I love that. Yeah, that <laughs> always, make, that always makes you like him a little more. Yeah, <laughs> dude, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's super raw athlete. He didn't even have that much production here in college or sorry, at the high school level. Kobe Prentice has been pretty consistent. Uh, he really doesn't seem to be doing more than just kind of be a short area guy. He's his yak is okay, but yeah, Isaiah Bond here is the better athlete with a higher ceiling. And it's I moved Kobe Prentice up because he was clearly not a year one zero. These guys weren't touching the field too much, but. Bond is past at year one zero mark, and he's a guy that can definitely overtake uh, Kobe Prentice going into year two here. If he can learn some more of that receiver play and some route running, he's definitely got the higher ceiling at 5'11", 175. His 40 time is, but it's it's going to be fast. It's going to be very, very fast. 
So he's he's definitely that that mold that Alabama likes. I love the call. It's someone I want to move up to. Um, my now fallers here. I'm going to talk about uh, Andre Green. Andre Green of, of UNC, uh, very high in the Debbie community coming in, going to a really a really good quarterback. We talked about Drake May here. They only have six receivers on the roster, and Andre Green is still not touching the field. Uh, I made a joke on the offseason that the guy that is starting, I want to say is J.J. Jones. I didn't, know who, I didn't even know who that guy was. I had to look him up. I'm like, should I be interested? So Andre Green did get on the field for like seven Unlike the rest of these guys, like Isaiah Bond, who's now getting more snaps, Andre Green has been losing snaps. I mean, he's he is not getting an increased workload. He's not. He's just yeah. I mean, turning into the background here, he's currently on the trail to be a year one zero. I don't think he has a catch on the year so far. Uh, as soon as he hits that year one zero, he's dropping substantially in my rankings. He's already outside my top ten. I think preseason he was my nine or ten, but now he's he's like fifteen twenty so far. So Andre Green. Yeah, and for my first faller, um, I'm going to head over to TCU and talk about a wide receiver by the name of DJ Allen. Um, now, this is pretty easy if you guys were in on this guy um, to see why he's he's a faller for me. He's just not getting any damn playing time right now. You know, this is a guy I kind of bought in on, um, you know, even after seeing guys like Matt Bruning, who I respect a lot, talk about him this offseason, and even doing my own research, taking a look at his tape, you know, very versatile guy. Um, went over a thousand re- uh, receiving yards uh, one season in high school. Next season, he was moved to Wildcat quarterback. Um, rushed for over a thousand yards, threw a couple touchdowns. So this is a guy that I saw a lot of versatility in. Somebody that could maybe that that could help him get on the field a little bit earlier. Maybe you cook up some gadgets for him or whatever. But I'm starting to think that maybe the fact that he wasn't overly refined at any position is actually more of like a detriment to his development because he hasn't seen one snap on offense yet. And, and it's not like TCU's wide receiver room is like full of, uh, full of studs either that he, that he can't play over. I mean, outside of Quentin Johnson, can you even name another, another guy on this team on this team right now? I mean, it's, it's Savion Williams, it's Tay Barber, it's Darius Davis. It's been a huge committee of sorts right now. And I mean, um, the other freshman there, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, Kobe Hudson. No, Jordan Hudson. Jordan Hudson. Oh, I do <laughs> that. I do that, man. Why yeah, so yeah, many Jordan, Hudsons, man? Yeah, Kobe Jordan Hudson. Hudson. He, so he's actually getting on the field already, right? So so it's not like they don't have a they won't play these freshmen at all either. So he's just not doing enough, I guess, to, to really to really get on the field. So I'm essentially locking this guy in as a year one zero already, which isn't great for the profile. Um He's somebody that I will be keeping my eyes on for because there is going to be a lot of turnover in that TCU room as well, I believe. But, uh, yeah, he's going to be dropping quite a bit in my rankings for now, probably yeah, well outside the top 20. He's off the Debbie radar. I know that I had him lower than the rest of the uh, crew did. Um, but he's he's a yak guy. He was a yak guy in college, and I love yak guys too. I thought he had a lack of athleticism here. And, of course, I go to, like, our analytics team to get some actual hard numbers to see if what I'm seeing is a wa- matching. His miles per hour is 20.7. Like, it's not – it's not bad. Like that's not bad. Yeah, he, you know he's what, not a burner, no. And you know what Hudson's is? Jordan Hudson's eighteen point four. He is slow. He's slow, and he's getting in the field. <laughs> I remember so, that actually, though. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, and I remember. I, I think. I think big water receiver guy was saying guys with that too have like a really low hit rate making it to the NFL. But I think the threshold is eighteen and a half miles per hour. I want to say it was nineteen. I really do want to say it's nineteen. But I want to say it's eighteen and a half. Like they don't get to the NFL. They don't really get to play at the NFL level. So yeah. It's um yeah I mean so DJ Allen, R.I.P. There's yeah, there's a ton of guys who are who are um like fringe gonna be 
zero one zero to talk about. Like Keon Grace, he's gonna be falling. He's only gotten like one. I mean, how many blowouts has Ohio's gotten? And he still won't touch the field. So Keon yeah. Grace, who was like the one guy for Ohio that we liked, sell him. Like sell him now. Like I don't think he's gonna touch the field. Like, I actually really, I'm super concerned. Um, Taylor Shetron is calling it close. You're about to talk about him here in a sec. Sorry for giving that away. But like, there's other guys too that are like calling it really close to me. Year one zero, and it's just gonna kill him. No, I mean, we can even talk about him right here. This is a guy that kind of both of us had on our lists anyways. Yeah. I just kind of, he was just kind of under our name, my name anyways. You know, and this is a guy a lot of people were excited about. I was always a little bit lower, kind of like how you were a little bit lower on DJ Allen. You know, he's he's kind of, yeah. I didn't really see what a lot of people saw on tape. You know, he was billed as, you know, very athletic guy. Um, I, did, I And even when you're looking at... um the playing time over at Oklahoma state right now, he's just not getting on the field and it isn't some kind of like veteran deference either, you know, cause they're, cause they've got another true freshman there that you were talking about with me their day by then. What's his yeah, name? Steven Johnson jr. Yeah. I got, got six, yeah, six. Oh, Stefan Johnson. Sorry. 60 snaps yeah. last week. He got in 10 targets. So I don't, I don't know why, why Tron can't get on the field at all. I don't know if he's injured or whatever, you know, I'm a, I'm a sense getting concerned that he becomes the year one zero i think he's got two catches on the year already so he can maybe hit one of the thresholds this year um maybe towards the end of the year too i mean but even this this water i don't know they're just yeah. you not know, looking yeah. towards chetron for he's he's gonna be cutting it close right now he's he's two for 21 and one he got on the field the last game for 10 snaps that's it while steven johnson jr got in there for almost 60 snaps and it's Steven Johnson jr right he's he's a three-star recruit i think he's like virus or like that uh, I know he's listed on their website at six two, but if you look at like twenty four seven sports, he's six foot. Which I think when I'm watching the tape, he looks six foot, not six two. So I don't know what all that's about. But all right, let's get into running backs here. I had quite a few risers actually, but before we get into that, let's get. Let me ask you a question here: Is is anyone starting to push Singleton for RB one? Uh, I don't know. I think that when we talk about Singleton. Um, we were always kind of expecting that he was a raw guy, guy coming from high school who played, you know, kind of in that wide running, didn't run up the middle a lot, a uh, guy who's going to have a little bit of a learning curve at the next level, but it's the upside with him. It's the size uh, adjusted speed. Um, it, it's everything with him. He looks like a force out there. I will say this. I think what Quint John Judkins is doing is pretty damn impressive. We went over it last uh, last show. If you want to hear everything in depth, I recommend going back to that episode and seeing uh, what we were talking about. Um, he's essentially having the freshman season that we kind of like really want these guys to have. Power of five level, got the size, he's got everything working in his favor, um, and he and he's blowing up. So to me, he's running back two right now. I don't know if he's pushing right now, but it it, it could kind of be right now like a Gibbs and Bijan thing where he's he's close, but I don't know if he'll ever necessarily take over completely for them. Um, you got anybody that's kind of pushing for you? No, it would just be just Quinshawn here. I, that's that really the yeah. question here. Quinshawn or Singleton? I, I'm with you. I'm still on Singleton here. Maybe by like mid year next year, you know, I got Raheem Sanders overtaking Travion Henderson. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like that if Singleton still isn't killing it. Because I want to get right into my rides this year. This big thorn in Singleton's side here is Katron Allen, a guy that mm-hmm. nobody was really excited for at the site here, mostly for the logic that Singleton's there and Singleton's going to kind of kill this guy's value. But he's he's sticking along, man. He's he's productive. He's He's looked good. He's even had really good games himself. It seems to be off and on with Singleton. They're just having their, their good game. They're rotating. Uh, I just really hope – well, I think Singleton's going to overtake him, but, man, I really want Catron to get his own role somewhere else. So that's what I'm hoping for is for him to, like, transfer over, kind of get his own team. 
Yeah, I definitely think that he deserves to, to kind of rise in their ranks. I mean, the fact that he's getting playing time looks good. I mean, he was a pretty high ranking back in this class too. He's not bad himself. I actually thought that maybe he might be more field ready than Singleton, which is might be why we're kind of seeing this play out is the fact that, you know, Singleton is a little more raw. Allen is maybe a little more field ready coming from, from that high end high school program, IMG Academy, I believe he came from. So he, he was very field ready already. So I, I'm not surprised to see him getting on the field. Um, Going over to my first riser, I'm going to talk about a guy at Oklahoma State, and I'm going to talk about Damian Martinez. This is a guy who had very strong buzz during the offseason, and he really only needed his chance to break through. And with the other guy there, um, Deshaun Fenwick, getting a little bit banged up over the last couple weeks, um, Martinez hasn't really been able to show his stuff. You know, last two weeks, he's gone over 110 yards in each game, and last game, he went over 178 yards and scored three touchdowns. Uh, great size, six foot, 220 pounds. Um, the C2C team has him clocked at over 21 miles per hour, which pretty much certifies him as a size speed freak. Um, and he's another guy that I got to give some props out to Alfred from our C2C team. He's always digging deep on these prospects, looking at these three stars like Damian Martinez, who could outperform their ranking. Um, he also did the same thing with Devin Neal last year. So pay attention to what Alfred says, because he's definitely got some of these hits over the past two years, but he called out Damian Martinez pretty early in the process um, on this off season. And, and, you know, he just looks great. And I think even when Fenwick is fully healthy, I think Martinez has shown enough that he's probably going to be the dude going forward. Um, like we've talked about a bunch in this show. I would like to see a little more receiving work. I think he only has one catch on the year, but uh, he's already making waves as a freshman. So I'm going to take that as a win. Yeah, going on to my number two guy here. I'm going to talk about Jaden. I talked about him again a bunch of episodes ago. A guy that was just, well, both him and Allen were just off my radar completely. Really wasn't paying attention to him at all. He's definitely taken over for Cal, and he's definitely struggled these last two weeks. Uh, not really too worried about their tough defenses. I think Cal is a restructuring program. Uh, it sounds like they're getting some really good recruits, and I think they have some really good offensive line recruits coming in too. So Cal is a rebuilding offense. I like Jay not a lot. He's got some great measurables. He compares favorably to guys that have been successful in the NFL. Uh, but Jay not is going to be a huge riser for me. I think, I think four weeks ago I told you he was within my top five. I think he's still there even to this day. So Jay not big riser. Yeah, I like that call. And he's still actually a guy that I need to go back and, and take a little bit of a deeper look at to really get my my overall feel for him because he was kind of off the radar coming into the year. And he's he's kind of been the surprise of this class, I'd like to say. Um, the guy that nobody was really talking about doing this, and then he goes and does this. So, um, yeah, def- definitely a guy to to keep an eye on. Um, another guy to keep an eye on, I'm going to head over to Iowa, talk about their freshman running back by the name of Caleb Johnson. Um, this was a guy that a lot of us kind of had our eyes on in the offseason. Um, he had that great uh, great uh, time tested. I think he was well over 20 miles per hour, and he's 6'1", 215 pounds too. So, of course, you're noticing a little bit of a size trend here, but like me and Mike like to say, we are size biased guys. And when we see the size and the speed uh, link up, that's an automatic something to put on our radar right away, right? So <laughs> um, this guy was another relatively uh, high-ranked three-star, um, had offers from uh, from Iowa State, Michigan State, um, West Virginia, Wisconsin. So he's a pretty sought-after guy. Um I thought when we were going to be buying into this guy that you were probably going to be having to look at maybe next year for him. I mean, they had kind of a crowded backfield, uh, Gavin Williams, LaShawn Williams, two guys that that guys were kind of excited for, but um, they've kind of been a little bit underwhelming over the beginning of the season. He feels like he's close to completely taking over this backfield. It's kind of started about three weeks ago and he keeps getting more carries. Um, he's averaging almost a full yard uh, per carry more than the other backs there. And, and over the last three games, like he's received the most carries of the group. So it looks like he's taking over now. 
Iowa is kind of a shit team this year, um, struggling, especially offensively. Um, I mean, there wasn't there that game where they won the game without even scoring an offensive touchdown. I don't know. I think it was a special teams touchdown, defensive touchdown or whatever. They're just, it's not going well for them right now, but, um, he's kind of added this big play spark for them, which is, which is nice to see. It still feels like he's going to be a 2023 play. Um, but I'm glad to see the skills are transferring to the collegiate uh, field and, and he's an easy riser for me. Yeah. That Iowa offense is just terrible, man. It's just, yeah. It's awful. Yeah. God, dude, buddy. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go over to the followers here. I'm actually going to roll through both of mine real quick. Cause my first one's kind of short. My first one's going to be Ramon Brown, RB 19, I believe on the year or for a recruit. And uh, he's uh running back for Maryland here. Now we already talked about Ramon Hemby, who seems to be taking over the core there. I had Ramon Brown as a potential, um, instant impact player. I really did. I thought the Maryland running back core was very talentless. Uh, the guy that went to the NFL really wasn't even that talented, and everyone else behind him had hardly any touches. And I thought Ramon Brown came to the program with the most versatile skill set. Might not have been a plus athlete, but I thought he did everything really well. So I thought maybe he could have gotten the field early. Uh, this is not the case. Ramon Hemby is the one running away with the starting job. Ramon Brown's probably going to be a transfer candidate for me uh, this upcoming year, but he is he is definitely not coming over here or not going to be anything. Uh, now, my next follower here, actually, it's going to be Cartavius Norton, who a lot of us were very high on here. Uh, Phil Steele's RB1, a lot of hype the offseason, had a really good opening. Like, his first three snaps were really good, and then he got hurt. <laughs> so um, I'm not, like, saying that this guy is dead, but I feel like we were definitely chasing the high of Brees Hall here. Iowa does make good NFL talent. Um, but so far, Carcavius Norton just has not lived up to that. He has been back for a few weeks now, still hasn't done much. So I guess I'm just cooling off on him. I believe I had him inside my top 10, but he's definitely fallen for me. Not out, but fallen. Yeah, I definitely had a, a, some more hopes for him, especially because Bro- uh, Jarrell Brock, there, the guy they're running out as a starter right now, he hasn't looked that good. And we've been saying that since like this freaking offseason that we really didn't think he was that good. And that was part of the reason of loving Cartavius Norton a little bit because we thought he could take over. But maybe it's the injury. Maybe he's not fully back yet. They're kind of working him over. It's a crappy thing about college. We really don't get any reporting about what somebody's dealing with or or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, we'll just kind of have to see what happens there. I'm not out on him either, but I agree with you. Yeah, he has to be a faller after that. Um, I'll go into my followers here quickly. It's two guys. Um, first, I'm going to go over to UNC, and I'm going to talk about Amari and Hampton. You know, we were very excited about this guy after week zero there. And, you know, maybe it's the week zero effect. Not a lot of teams to watch. One of the one of the only Power 5 teams that played. They played against, you know, Florida A&M. Um, and he looked like he was potentially going to be the guy there after that game. Went over 100 yards. Um, looked good doing it. But he's dropped off quite a bit you know I, I think he only had one more game over 100 yards that was against georgia state another kind of bad team right um but he hasn't been able to break 36 yards in any other game this season even with some double digit workloads you know i, th- I think it comes back to the original evaluation that we actually had of him in the offseason which was that he was a little bit more of a bruiser maybe not the burgersiest maybe not the most athletic guy but a powerful runner who can pick you up tough yards get what's blocked for him you know struggles at times when he when he has to create it on his own and you know, that's not to say that that him taking um, that him taking this much of a role isn't impressive already in your freshman season. Um, but given the hype he was getting early on uh, and that big game, he's definitely fallen off a little bit. I mean, and even his running mate, um, George Petaway, for what it's worth, um, 
uh, early season, he was playing a very nice complimentary role, um, but he's essentially fallen off the face of the planet. He's com- combined for five touches over the last two games. And um, we were kind of hopeful for these, this duo to kind of be the, the possible rebirth of the new Javante Williams and, and Michael Carter. But uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen here, at least not this year. They're kind of rotating a bunch of backs right now. So, so mm-hmm. both these guys are kind of fallers for me coming off of that hype in the beginning of the season. I believe Caleb Hood is back. I think that's why that he got the start. And I believe Caleb Hood is back, and that's what it is. He's lost snaps for sure, but like I definitely thought some people were there calling for him to have a shingle hold in the starting position after two 100 yard games. But Caleb Hood is back, and now it's back to like a three person rotation. But he's still not. I mean, he's not like you said. He's not efficient. He's not. He's not separating himself from the competition. Right. And Caleb Hood was a guy that we were actually a little bit excited about last year too. converted quarterback um, runs like a four or five or something like that was always raw. Didn't actually get much playing time last year. Uh, I know Colin Decker's always stayed very, very high on him as well. Uh, during our Debbie uh, guide, when we were talking about guys, he was like the only guy who was fighting for him to actually write about him still. Um, but it is kind of nice to see that he's doing a little bit of something this year, but yeah, I would yeah. like to see a little bit more from these two guys anyways. Uh, Caleb Hood listed at five twelve. <laughs> 225 pounds. 5'12"? What the hell? So he's six foot. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, My other guy here, this one kind of hurts a little bit. Um, This is a guy I was pretty high on in this freshman class, and I'm going to talk about Justin Williams running back at Tennessee. Um, Loved his tape. Uh, Six foot, 215 pounds. I think you were in on this too, right? Dude, I loved him. Yeah, he was my RB7, I think. Yeah, he was my RB6. Yeah, he was my RB6. Very high on this guy. And I I thought there were some openings in this room for for a contributor behind Jabari Small. You know, Jabari Small's guy at all. Yeah, yeah, and maybe even – maybe even to take over him, right? You know, I, we both didn't really love him entering the year, but this just essentially comes down to playing time. They're literally playing like everybody else besides him right now. I think even their tight, like some random tight end is getting carries like in the red zone over him right now. So he um, was raved about at the same level. Danny Martinez was in the spring. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you know what you, but I do remember actually, I, I even wrote this note to, to mention in the show. I do remember in the off season during, during spring camp, I believe Jabari small gone injured. He was missing practices for about two or three games. This was actually around the spring game time. Uh, Justin Williams actually operated as a running back two during that. I think Jalen Wright actually was running back one. I'm not even sure what's going on with Jalen Wright. I haven't looked at him in a while. But um, but anyways, um, the running backs coach there, his name is skipping my mind, but he actually talked about Justin Williams. And I think there was a little bit more that we actually could have read into into his comments. He talked about how the game was maybe a little bit fast for him at this point and that he was going to have to adjust a little bit, but he was a tough runner. He's looking good out there. And of course, everybody took the good parts of that and, and, and blew up with it, right? But he was actually saying that the game seemed a little bit fast for him and that things seemed to slow down, needing to, you know, adjust to the to the speed at the collegiate level already. So th- maybe this is a little bit of a slower process than we originally envisioned for him coming into the year. Now I still have hope for him. Uh, chances are Jabari. He's having a pretty decent year, probably off to the NFL next year. Um, this offense is, we were talking about it before the show too. Going to have a lot of turnover after this year. You know, guys like quarterback Henny hooker, he's gone probably wide receivers, Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, probably both gone running back Jabari small, probably gone as well. So all massive, massive contributors to this offense all could be gone next year. Um, but it's the Josh Heupel offense, right? He's going to get this thing rolling eventually. And I just hope that, that Justin can be part of the plan going forward. Um, he's probably not going to do anything this year at this point and not looking like that. Anyways, I don't know how all of a sudden he's going to claim a big role going down the stretch here, but um, for me, he's going to be, he, he's going to be a faller for me. Um, was probably a top 10 prospect for me in, or, or was it was a top 10 prospect in, in this running back class for me. And now probably well outside of it. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I do want to say this, though. He got three snaps this past week, so maybe he's turning it around. Maybe he's turning <laughs> three around. snaps. Hey, we're, we're making progress. He's getting on the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, make sure you guys check out the rest of the Campus of Canton podcast feed. Monday, you got Chasing the Natty. Tuesday, Campus Life. Wednesday, Ben on C2C. Thursday, you got the Debbie Debate and the official. Friday, you got Canton Bound. I, I, I left this out. Oh, my God. Wednesday, back to Debbie. Uh, and then Saturday, 8 How to 10 you. in the morning. I know. <laughs> 8 to 10 in the morning, man. You got better sports app calling to the guys, listen to their them talk about college football. The tailgate starts at 10 to 12. They just go through the slate of games that are happening that day. And then you got college fantasy tonight starting at 1030. You can hear me fumble over my words live. And make sure you're tuning into the YouTube channel Saturday morning and evening to so stay up to date on everything happening from 10 a.m., whatever. Just just check in the YouTube channel. We've got nonstop content coming out. Apologies to Dane Brugler. We ran out of time. I'm Mike. You can find me at Twitter at FF underscore Dirty Mike. You can find co-host Corey here at FF underscore Guitarist on Twitter. Follow us. Ask us for ask us for advice. Ask us for about what we think about prospects. Like We're both pretty friendly guys. Go ahead and ask us about stuff. That's it, guys. Good night and good luck. All right, now I got to talk about something. You out here defending Chris Marshall and his weed thing, and then you're going to tell us that you have a podcast show from back in the day called the Debbie Dispensary Court. <laughs> hey, I'm defending him because it shouldn't be a problem.